Welcome to day 354 of Shaped by the Word, and we are coming to the end of a wonderful year in the New Testament. Next year we'll be covering the Old Testament story. We won't do the whole Old Testament, but we will take uh, you know, a chapter a day from the Old Testament that leads us through the storyline of the Old Testament, looking forward to really talking about all of the events that lead to where we are in the book of Revelation, which is the consummation of the story. You know, begun in you know Genesis chapter three as we reject God and push Him out of our lives, and of course, uh, all of Earth is is under the judgment of God or the curse of God. Earth rebels against man as man has rebelled against God, and you see, you know, the consummation of that as it intensifies. And of course, this is what Paul you know has warned us about in his writings in the latter days. Things will move you know from bad to worse, and people. You know, being you know being deceived and moving on to even greater deception, and so you see these kind of forces coming to play. And of course, this would have been an encouragement for the people in John's day, as they see these kinds of things happening in the Roman Empire around them, and they see their world falling apart, and they ask themselves the question: You know, is where is God in all of this? And of course, the answer in Revelation is He's firmly in control, leading it toward a beautiful conclusion. And even the worst things happening to us are things uh, that he has allowed to happen for his glory, for our joy, and, and ultimately for good. And when we see him face to face, all of our tears will be wiped away and every doubt that we have with it as well. So we continue to see judgment as we do in, in most of the prophets, you know, judgment interspersed with hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, is, this is some of the most intense judgment scenes uh, that you'll find anywhere in Scripture. Uh, although they are rivaled by passages in Ezekiel and Jeremiah That's true. and Isaiah. Yes. And so before we read chapters 11 and 12, uh, why don't we um, offer the self, uh, offer this moment and ourselves mm-hmm. uh, to the Lord. David, do you mind lifting us up? Now let's pray. And Father, we ask that as uh, we now turn to your word, help us to to see the beauty and the wonder of what you're doing here in, in, in creation. Father, help us to marvel at um, the wonders of your word. And so open our eyes to see and our ears to hear as we gaze upon your scriptures. May our hearts be encouraged where we need encouragement and convicted where we need conviction. We ask you to do this great work. Um, you'd build us up in Christ Jesus. We pray this all in his name. Amen. Revelation chapter 11, verse 1. I was given a reed like a measuring rod and was told, Go and measure the temple of God in the altar with its worshipers, but exclude the outer court. Do not measure it because it has been given to the Gentiles. They will trample on the holy city for 42 months, and I'll appoint my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1,260 days, clothed in sackcloth. They are the two olive trees and the two lampstands, and they stand before the Lord of the earth. If anyone tries to harm them, fire comes from their mouths and devours their enemy. This is how anyone who wants to harm them must die. They have the power to shut up the heavens so that it will not rain during the time that they are prophesying, and they have the power to turn the waters into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they want. Now when they had finished their testimony, the beast that comes up from the abyss will attack them and overpower and kill them. Their bodies will lie in the public square of the great city, which is figuratively called Sodom in Egypt, where also their Lord was crucified. For three and a half days, some from every tribe, people, tribe, language, and nation will gaze on their bodies and refuse them burial. 
The inhabitants of the earth will gloat over them and will celebrate by sending each other gifts because the two prophets had tormented those who live on the earth. But after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them, and they stood on their feet, and terror struck those who saw them. Then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud while their enemies looked on. That very hour there was a severe earthquake, and a tenth of the city collapsed. Seven thousand people were killed in the earthquake, and the survivors were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past, the third woe is coming soon. Seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and the one who was, because you have taken your great power and you have begun to reign. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and the people who revere your name, both great and small, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. God's temple in heaven was opened, and within his temple was seen the ark of his covenant. And there came flashes of lightning, rumbles, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and a severe hailstorm. A great sign appeared in the heavens, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of twelve stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his head. His tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness to place uh, beyond uh, prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their, love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury, because he knows that his time is short. When the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman was given the two wings of a great eagle, so that she might fly to a place prepared for her in the wilderness, where she would be taken care of for a time, times, and half a time out of the serpent's reach. Then from his mouth the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away from, with a torrent. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. Uh, some nice uh, wild images, and of course... Mm-hmm. You have the numbers, you know, refer to the times, time and a half a time, mm-hmm. 
Let's go back, you know, to the book of Daniel and the prophecy of the completion of Israel's time, 770s, you know, declared for you. And, of course, this is talking about, you know, the final uh, the final seven. Many see this as a final seven-year tribulation will come on the earth. Many see it as symbolic of the entire, you know, time between, you know, Christ's ascension to heaven, which is described vividly here in his return on earth, you know, to restore his kingdom. And so you see an epic uh, war between the dragon uh, and, and the woman who, who gives birth. And so these images are very, you know, interesting and kind of images and they move in a lot of, you know, different uh, different directions. So what are some of the things that stand out as you guys look at this passage? Well, I guess I've heard some people talk about chapter 12 being really just this almost glimpse of like the entirety of human history, right? Kind of from creation to mm-hmm. Christ being born to ascending to the church and, and all the you know, the other offspring of, of the woman and, you know, just the animosity of Satan against the church for such a long time, but then obviously the triumph mm-hmm. um, over Satan at the end of the day. Is, no. is that somewhat accurate if you're kind of reading that? What somewhat accurate? Yeah, okay, yeah. that's what I'm going for. I'm just going for somewhat. I love the way you say that. Somewhat accurate if you're kind of reading. <laughs> I mean, if you're reading that, like, is that a helpful yeah. lens? You know, it gets hint, it's it gets a, hints of that. Yeah, there, there's no doubt hints of you know from creation to consummation, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. more than anything else, there there is uh, you know hints of incarnation, mm-hmm. you know, to consummation. Where you're talking about a woman giving birth to the child who would rule the nations and who is caught up into the very presence you know of god mm-hmm. uh so the the birth being the incarnation and of course being caught up into the presence of god the ascension, ascension yeah. you know of jesus as he rules and watches over you know his people you know from you know from you know from heaven mm-hmm. and, and of course the woman here you naturally you would think of mary who who gave birth but she doesn't quite you know fit in this some people see this as israel the nation you know that gave birth mm-hmm. to the messiah but you see it as, as, as kind of an interesting uh, an interesting twist uh, you know the, the picture of the woman being the church or those all of our offspring mm-hmm. you know being the church and those that are persecuted and those that are kept safe you know, in a place, you know, that, you know, God has, you know, God has prepared, you know, for them as the woman wages, you know, as the dragon wages war against them. And obviously, there's where your creation comes in, that ancient serpent. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, the picture of the one who has, you know, been attacking, you know, humanity from the very beginning or mm-hmm. calls them, you know, to, you know, to question God. So you have kind of an odd, you know, kind of, you know, twist here where it's the church that has given birth, you know, to Jesus or the people of God who, who brought forth you know, Jesus, and it's kind of an interesting, interesting, you know, twist on those images. I really do love the image of the woman being the church, though. I think that that's, yeah, I hadn't thought about it that way, but I like that. There's uh, the one some, who, you know, the one who will be protected, the right. one who, uh, you know, the enemy is pursuing, and, and the one that we, you know, certainly know, you know, from, you know, the first couple of chapters, two and three, that the enemy, enemy will make and uh, we'll make and uh, inflict some pain, some suffering, and some doubt, uh, but will not ultimately, you know, triumph. Mm-hmm. And there's a picture too in, in chapter 12. I guess it mentions twice in chapter 12. You know, mm-hmm. the the wilderness and just a reminder that I mean, we're we're a wilderness people, right? That you know, we're people that aren't home yet. This is not our final. You know, we're still. In, in the tough place and so we see some of those images of a wilderness coming from the old testament to you know kind of being foreigners and exiles uh, with this longing for a better place to come yeah mm-hmm. no doubt 
a place of testing, a place of temptation, but also a place of you know God's you know God's protection. So moving even back you know to Deuteronomy, uh, you see the wilderness is a is a sign of you know God's provision that He cared for Israel in the wilderness. Mm. Also a sign of their rebellion that they rejected Him and mm. uh, were you know destined to live out their lives in the wilderness, never crossing you know the hope of the promised land. But even mm-hmm. in those times, you know Moses says in Deuteronomy, He protected you and He guided you and He didn't let your sandals you know wear out or mm-hmm. your cloaks you know fall into threadbare uh, that uh, you know God uh, cared for His people even in their rebellion against Him, ushering them in you know, eventually, you know, to the promised land. So there are a lot of, you know, a lot of beautiful pictures. But you see the seven there is the seven is the completion. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, where you hear in verse you know, 15, the seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven which said the kingdom of the world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah and he will reign forever and ever. Mm-hmm. And the, again, you have the elders falling on their face before him. We give thanks to you, Lord God, the one who is and who was because you've taken your great power and have you begun to reign. The nations were very angry and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead. So you hear the consummation notes, you know, that are sounded in, in all of this. There's even that beautiful line right after that and the rewarding of, you know, your servants and your prophets, both great and small, you know, just mm-hmm. that beautiful picture of uh, the great and the small, those who are maybe known those who maybe yeah. have not been known. And God vindicating everyone who has spoken yeah. for him, everyone who has suffered for him, everyone who has mm-hmm. been true to his word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it is, a, it is a beautiful picture. It begins with the measuring you know, of the temple, and, and that's you know, a picture that, uh, of course, the temple, you know, the, many see that as a literal temple you know, that uh, you know, is coming you know, at the end of the time. Of course, the temple mostly in the Old Testament refers to the physical temple, uh, which is fulfilled in the person of Christ and in his church. And by his measuring the church, he has marked out his people and he knows who are his. And, and of course, the outer court represents, you know, the, the, the nations which rage, you know, against the powers of, of God uh, and, and the beauty of his protection of uh, not only the woman, but uh, all of her descendants. Yeah. You know, during that time. And we see the suffering of the witnesses and the difficulty of, of, of being faithful during yeah. this difficult season, yet they are taken care of. They are, yeah. even though they look so bad, uh-huh. um, it, it's not, which yeah. is unbelievable. And, and, and of course, that is a call of the book of Revelation to look past our moment, to look at, you know, the hope that God has in store for us mm-hmm. and to live in the moment in light of the ultimate hope, mm-hmm. you know, that we, we, have, we have in Him. And just the way that it's explained just this power that would you know even come to res- rescue us in twelve ten where it says, "Now have come the salvation, the power, the kingdom of God, the authority of the Messiah." I love that that He is coming to um, take care of the accuser of the brothers and the sisters. Yeah. And so I just love that. Um, I mean, there is all of this um, this great need for salvation, but. Mm-hmm. He, just the way it's so majestically and, and that's what Paul means when he says who can bring any accusation right. against you know us if Christ is for us who who, can who then us. can be against us yeah. and obvi- the obvious answer is well um, any number of people could be a witness against us and, and our our righteousness especially you know especially you know the enemy of our soul who yeah. who does 
rightfully accuse us, but Christ has claimed us and he has given us his righteousness. And we talked mm-hmm. about that a couple of days ago. We've been dressed in mm-hmm. robes of white that is not our own righteousness, but his His righteousness. And so there is no accusation that can stand against us. And, and a lot of times that is the work of the enemy presently in our life to whisper inadequacy in our life, to whisper accusation in his life. And, and probably the best thing you know to respond to that is all of that's true, but every one of my inadequacies and every one of my sins have been covered in the righteousness of christ and i i am his and he is mine mm-hmm. and i'll be with him forever how awesome is that mm-hmm. uh, father thank you for the hope that we have in you we thank you uh father we read this book with both horror uh seeing uh, ultimately a world in rebellion against you and your judgment on that world but we read it with deep gratitude knowing that you have rescued and preserved your own uh, and we'll redeem them uh, and wipe away every tear from their eyes and we look forward to that day. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.